Hello, Sky friends, and welcome to Seasons of Skyrend, Book 3. We're a custom 5e D&D adventure that focuses on the stories of our characters as they explore their impact on the world and how the world responds in turn. I am your host and DM, Scott, and you can find me on Twitter at TheScottBlake. Hi, I'm Chris. I play Iolana Makani, the Air Genasi Mystic, and you can find me at Killer on Twitter. Hi, my name is Nate. I play Darwin Grimm, the Human Monk, and you can find me at Skyren underscore Nate on Twitter. Hi, I'm Shannon. I play Aranis Gray, also known as Gray the Great to my fans, and the Bard of the Bard's Rebellion. I am a half-elf bard, and you can find me at Skyren underscore Shannon on Twitter. And you can find the show on Twitter at Skyren Podcast. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. Head on over to find out about bonus chapters, early access, NPC creation, and more. Now then, thank you for joining us, and please enjoy this chapter in Seasons of Skyrend. After an intense meeting to discuss the withering, and some minor burglaring, the three of you are joined by Samudio at the Capris docks. While Sam is eager for a chance to speak with the polar bear Tamani, the rest of you have been enticed here by Akiri. His efforts to win Aranus's favor have prompted him to offer a gift for Vale if you join him on his mobile island. Akiri and Mistress Sangal have been waiting for you here all night to ensure he didn't miss your arrival. As you approach the pair, you notice a dwarven crew hurriedly bringing massive amounts of excavation equipment ashore. The bone transformation of the crew is at various stages, with the worst of these having an entire arm or half of their head already converted. As a younger dwarf is stepping off the dock with a hefty bundle of picks and shovels, you see their legs stiffen, causing them to fall beneath their cargo. As his friends rush to his aid, lifting him to his feet, a trail of blood runs down his face and arm. Wiping the blood away, he reveals two new scars of bone. Cursing under his breath, he returns to the task at hand. Ikiri, never taking his eyes off Arnis, greets you with a warm smile. I'm thrilled you decided to join me, and I can't wait to hear a new tune. Are we all ready then? Uh, I, I think so. Yeah, everybody else. Sure. Let's roll out. Sam gives uh, Arnis a little nudge. <clears throat> Am I supposed to ask about the Bertamani? Yeah. Is, was that the deal? Okay. The Bertamani's not here. Oh, and, okay. Um, is in town somewhere. Um, uh, one of our party has a request. I don't know how those are handled, slash if they're allowed. I'm at your disposal, Arnis. Oh, my lord. Um, <laughs> one of our party is very interested in talking with the Bear Tamani. I don't know his name, do I? No. no. You have no reason to know his okay. name. I just wanted to make sure. Neither uh, him nor his um, member of the Glamour that was with him was at that meeting, so you wouldn't have known their names. With the... Um, a member of our party is very interested in talking with the with the uh, polar bear Tamani, and we're wondering if they can come with us, if that's possible, or if they can at least meet us on the island. Bear, oh, oh, Gimbal's kid, yes, yes. Hmm. Well, if you don't mind waiting a moment, I'm sure we can get him here. Not at all. Okay. Ikiri turns to Mr. Sengal and quickly tells her, like, summon Gimbal here. Tell him it would be a favor for me. Oh, God. Mr. Sengal rolls her eyes, pulls out her wand, and does a quick bit of communication magic. And you see her whispering under her breath. She turns to Ikiri. Yes, it'll just be a few moments. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> What message is totally a spell? I know. Yeah. <laughs> I think I even had it at one point. It's almost like it's useful. Anyways, while you're waiting, Ikiri turns to the three of you. Mm-hmm. Oh, I noticed nobody has put on their new clothes. Did you plan on changing on the ship? 
is it required? No, no. I just figured you all might be a little bit more comfortable. I mean, I'm trying to figure out a way to say this without like without like sounding totally rude because I don't mean to be rude. I just like <clears throat> hang on. <laughs> it's um well, I mean, like com- I I appreciate the like the trying to make us like like comfortable or help us like feel comfortable, but I mean, I have a particular like aesthetic that I work with and um it just I can't figure out a way to make it fit with my aesthetic. Anybody else jump in. Do, do you really aesthetic twice? I'll change on the ship. Yes. Hmm. I, why are you being a jerk? <laughs> <laughs> I just I didn't, don't I didn't realize there was a protocol and that we were supposed to change. I can I can change. Yeah, I'll change. Oh my god, now I seem like a dick. That's okay. I mean, well, no, 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 you're the performer. If the you fit have over to... my armor, I'm not going anywhere unarmored right now. What kind of armor do you wear again? Uh, studded leather armor. Okay, I couldn't remember. I wear no armor. I know. Which means I, I can no wear armor. these. Okay, anyways. Let's see. Oh yeah, you two were saying you would change. Uh, Arnis is feeling like a jerk. It's okay though. I have like performer clothes and things that i wear so it's one less set of performer clothes now though one of them got stolen no it's not the whole set of performer clothes it was just the pants it was just my tight pants i mean they're all tight pants (laughs) so then where the i've said that before so then where the new tight pants that you got from these people to appease Mm, them these ones weren't they weren't tight pants pants. these were like kind of loose silky uh jumpers slash rompers yeah i'm not gonna tighten them no as akiri is making small talk about the outfits that he provided for you the dwarven crew continues to unload excavation equipment in order to excavate out Patches' old shop in an effort to retrieve his body. And minutes later, you see a halfling and a gnome riding on the back of a polar bear approaching your position. The halfling is alert and paying very close attention to the four of you all at the docks. Gimble, the gnome, is looking a little tired, rubbing his eyes. But as they get closer to Akiri, he quickly shakes that away. Says, ah, well, I'm, I'm here as you requested. So we're going back to the boat. And uh, Mr. Sengal just nods. Uh, he takes a quick look around at how many people are here. Gimbal hops off the back with a polar bear, pats the halfling on the leg, and says, Well, Salonim, it looks like you're going to have to be rowing. The halfling quickly jumps off. Wraps his arms around the neck of the polar bear, and there's this big swirl of air and a poof, and there's a huge polar bear Tamani in front of you now, standing well above Sam in his Tamani form. And the two of them are looking at each other very closely. Akiri just says, well, we're all here and ready now, yes? We can get to the ship? Uh, yeah. Okay. Once everyone is on the longboat, Mr. Sengal will pull her wand back out. With quick and precise movements, she casts a spell, causing the oars to begin rowing on their own. It's a short trip to a much larger ship anchored just offshore. And as everybody climbs aboard, Ikiri speaks up. Welcome to my personal ship, the Paramour. It should be no more than a few hours to the island, but you may use this time as you see fit. The crew's already been instructed to provide for you in any way they can. Looking around, this is less a ship than it is a floating palace. The woodwork is impeccable. The sails are clean and smooth as if they had been freshly laundered. And the crew are dressed in fine silks and linens. So, what do you want to do on the trip to the island? I'm assuming maybe wrongly that Sam is going to want to go talk to... The other Tamani, and I want to offer to go with him if he wants me to go with him. Hmm. Okay. Darvin, Iolana, what do you want to do? We've got a few hours here. I want to get changed. All right. Well, that takes very little Into time. My nice clothes. Is there anything else you also want to do? Maybe not. Okay. The ship sounds pretty cool. Just enjoy the luxury. So for a few hours, how do you enjoy that luxury? Yeah. <laughs> Are you reading, eating, napping, drinking, trying to party with the crew? Drinking, but not too much. 
Would you like to drink in a private room or would you like to go to a bar and drink with others? Bar. Okay. There is a drinking lounge on the ship, of nice. course. Complete with bartender. Ilana, what would you like to do for a few hours? Ilana is going to always keeps a book with her. Is this like Vale's book? This time it's going to be Vale's book that, that she's going to take. <laughs> oh, you're using Vale's uh, book. And <sighs> going to just go find a spot on the deck, like take off my cloak, sit down and enjoy being on the water and, and the peace of it and reading this book. Okay. After all of the insanity and the recent failures, it's kind of, it's really nice for Yolanda to be able to just be on the water and, and have a moment's peace. It's a, it's, it's almost a, it's serene. Hmm. Let's start then with Darwin. One of the crew members will escort you to a private room where you can get changed. Nice. As mentioned before, the outfit is a light blue silken jumper, uh, like a romper. The legs don't go all the way down. They stop somewhere above the knee. Are you wearing anything under this? Um. <laughs> Scandalous. Um, oh, my. This is rather light and breezy. This is more just a comfort thing. Like, <gasps> nobody's... <laughs> Nobody's trying to take a peek at a uh, little dark in there. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I just want to know how cash you're taking it. Um, <laughs> I mean, fairly cash, I guess. Okay. Darwin's going commando. Not going commando. I wasn't asking about underwear. You've it's got other. I didn't know if you were putting these on over your robes, under your robes. All right. Sorry. Darvin, are you wearing any of your clothes under or over this fancy romper? I would think maybe under, but how funky would that look? A little bit. Like monk robe under fancy romper. Okay. Uh, I don't I don't need to wear my monk robe. Okay. As long as it's not like too cold, I can just wear these. That's fine. Okay. It certainly shows off your new leg joint. <laughs> Ooh. Are you bringing your other sword with you too? Are you wearing that? Yeah, why not? Very well. And then you head off to the ship's lounge, which does have a bar in it. It's just below the main deck, and it is a very comfortable, very plush room. There's an older human tending the bar there. She's got her gray hair up in a bun. She's wearing a very fancy blue clothes, a high collar. It's like a, it's a little bit more ruffled. Kind of like an old saloon type thing looking. And there are a number of fine bottles behind her at the bar. There are no stools, because if people get too drunk to stand, uh, <laughs> they don't want them falling down off of anything. Smart. But along the outside walls of this lounge, there are a number of very large cushions and pillows. You walk up to the bar, and this old lady just says, Ah, hello, guest. Will you have... How about a nice wine, please? Wine, eh? Would you like red, white, orange? Let's go with red. Very well. She will pour you a somewhat larger than usual portion of wine, but more like a cup and a half. It's in a very large glass. Uh, like The bowl of it is extra wide. Nice. It fills up your hand as you hold it. Would you like to drink here at the bar or along the wall? Hmm. At the bar. Okay. Bar sounds nice. The bartender, having spent a lot of time here on the Paramore, has learned the better part of discretion. And she will just give you a look like, if you need to talk, I'm here. If not, I'm going to take care of my bar duties. That's what she goes about, like, dusting bottles, arranging glasses. Once ships get out on open sea, things move around a lot. Is there anything you'd like to talk with her about? Actually, hmm. 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 Actually, yeah. Okay. I'm going to use this opportunity to ask her what she knows about where we're going. Oh, the island. Yeah. We get there fairly often. Ikiri, he has business that he handles there. I don't go ashore. I just know that it's important. Okay. Um, it's kind of nice to have the island here, though. Um, where are we at? We're in spring here. Yeah. It's kind of nice to have the island here in the spring band for a change. It was down in fall before, and whew, 
I'm going to go ahead and say that winter's the worst. Too much ice in the water. I've spent some time down there. Up there. In the winter seas. Oh, no, not there. Oh, okay. From everything that I can see from the ship, it's quite nice. Quite lovely. Okay. Thank you. Okay. I think that's it. All right. Um, Ilana. Yeah. You're on the deck Mm -hmm. with Vale's journal. Mm Mm-hmm. Having a nice time here to relax in the breeze and the steady rhythm of the ocean. Mm-hmm. Where are you going on the deck? Do you want to be up at the fore of the ship? Yeah, if I could find a place to sit where it makes me feel like I'm just kind of gliding over the water, that's kind of the goal. To put everything else behind me and not even think about it. I mean, do you want to be all the way up there, like on the masthead? Or do you just want to be on like, the forecastle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't know how daring Iolana was. Not that. Okay. Yeah, you can certainly get on top of the forecastle. Sit there and read on your cloak. The crew will certainly give you space. You can tell just at a glance that at least a couple of them are very interested by having guests on the ship uh, that look so poor. Fence. (laughs) But Ikiri runs in rich circles. Yep. Yeah. But they have been told not to disturb you, so they are giving you as much room as you need. And unless you call anybody over, they're not going to bother you. Cool. Okay. As the ship begins sailing out towards the island, which you still don't see, the sky gets a little bit more gray. The drops of water that hang in the air get a little bit bigger. The air feels a little chill, even with some sun still shining through. But the ride is smooth. The captain knows what they're doing. Aranis. Yes. Going with Sam to speak with Solanum. Yeah. I'm not going to force myself along, though. Like, I would ask Sam, like... If- Sam's going to be okay with that. Okay, yeah. He trusts you. Iolana asked, that might raise an ear. <laughs> but you're Aranis. Like, if Darwin or Vale had asked, he would also just immediately agree. Yeah. Um, ooh. This is interesting here. As we at the table know, Solanum is a companion. Companions don't leave their members' side without very, very, very good reason. So, Gimbal Ningle is also there. Okay. What I think happens is when you and Sam ask for a conversation with Solanum, Gimbal offers up his quarters here on the ship. Mm. He doesn't have permanent quarters here, but certainly as a member of the Glamour, he is afforded private space. And he will escort you down two decks to just the most opulent room. There are yellows and grays and blues everywhere in a tasteful manner. It's not hectic. It's like looking at a Victorian house. Gimbal will grab himself a drink and he will sit down on a short yet very plush chair and simply watch. As this conversation takes place, rather than doing both sides of a conversation with myself, I'll just give you a quick summary and you let me know if you want to jump in somewhere. That's fair. I wasn't really planning on jumping in. I just wanted to be here as kind of like backup for moral support for Sam. That's really it. Which he appreciates. Yeah. Definitely. But I also know you don't always plan on doing the things that you end up doing anyways. That's true. (laughs) So if I say anything that makes you want to interrupt. (laughs) Just like that? Mm-hmm. Is that subtle? <laughs> Sam and Solanum, whose full name you'll discover is Solanum Shred, begin discussing Tamani topics. How long it's been since Solanum has been back to a village, if he's from a different one, uh, you know, where are there more? But this is all very, very quick small talk that Sam does not seem interested in. And eventually, he gets to the point where he's asking Solanum for advice, for a favor, for information. He reveals that he's been torn apart physically, like in the cavern when he was ripped apart and when Sniffins was joined with Leopold. And ever since then, when the two of them do separate, it is haunting. He feels more incomplete than ever. So the connection's really only good when they're physically joined. But even still, He will catch glimpses from memories when Sniffins was combined with Leopold. Worse yet, when he is sleeping 
he sees Leopold still in the snow somewhere, and it freaks him the fuck out. And Sam needs to know how to fix himself. Tamani don't get ripped apart often. It's used only... When it happens out in the wild, it's accidental usually. Like, most creatures aren't intending to rip them apart. But that is still rare. Within Tamani's society, it is far more rare. It is, like, very big taboo. So it's something that doesn't really get done. Except Sam was part of a group that did it to Leopold. And he's looking for advice. Solanum... Solanum has heard of this before, but he advises, you know, if to get back home, you have to, how do I say this? It's a very weird way of putting something. There's a ritual to rejoin with your own bloodline, basically. Hmm. But it's not something that Solanum knows how to do. It's nothing that Sam's ever seen. But like elders and scholars of the Tamani community should know how to do it. But the two of them do seem to be like getting along well enough. Hmm. Is there anything you want to interject with or is there anything you want to add or ask about? There's not really. I mean, like, I I didn't know why Sam needed to talk to him. Obviously, like, I've been so wrapped up in my own crap that I haven't talked to Sam about any of this. And so, like, having heard it now, I I would wait until they were, like, done with their conversation whenever that ends, like, without interjecting, mm-hmm. like, just let them let it run its course. And then and then I would want to see if i could grab sam and actually talk to him sure um i think as they're wrapping up sam's gonna ask Salonum like if he could accompany him Salonum quickly rejects it he motions to gimbal and says like i've got my duties i think the two just end their conversation with a hug there's a big dog man and an even bigger bear man (laughs) give themselves a nice hug it's a weird image but it's like sweet (laughs) at the same time Gimbal is only obliquely paying attention. He's off in his own thoughts. So, Arnis, is there anything you want to talk to Sam, Solanum, Gimbal about? I don't really feel the need to talk to Solanum or Gimbal about anything unless, like, they address me about something first. In which case, I would just go with Sam out of the room, and then, like, as soon as basically, like, the door was shut behind us, I would start up a conversation with him as we were kind of walking. Where are you guys headed to? Well, I mean, it's a very fancy ship. You know me. If there's a room that's not already mentioned here, just let me know. I mean, Arnis's instinct is always to find the bar, so (laughs) (laughs) that's probably where I'd be headed. Yeah, one of the crew members can quickly point you to where the lounge is at. Yeah, that's that's where I would be, like, directing my steps. But I would talk, like, yeah. I would be talking with Sam. We'll have a little way. walk and talk here. Yeah. What are you talking about? Like, as soon as we get out of the room, even before we find a crew member to, like, tell me where to go, I would immediately say, um, Sam, I, I owe you an apology. You don't owe me anything. No, I do. I've been an ass. <laughs> <laughs> It's nonsense. I, but I mean, I was so, I was so wrapped up in like my own shit that I forgot that everybody else was going through shit too. Um, and like, I never even asked if you were okay. I never checked on you. I didn't do anything. Look, I understand. Everybody's going through shit. And the last thing I wanted was to put my shit on you. No, but it. That's just it. Like it, it is kind of on me. I mean, not just me, but like it's it's on the people who were who were with you. Like you went with us. You didn't have to, but you you went, and so it's like it's our fault that you were there. Now, granted, we probably would have all gotten slaughtered by Leopold if you hadn't warned us. So thank you for that. But it is our fault that you're in pain, and it's our job to help you if we can. Well, at least now I have a direction. If you want to come with me, that's fine. That's up to you. You're welcome in my home. I, of course, my instinct is to go with you. Of course it is. But I, we seem to be on a weird and narrow path here. <laughs> Though <laughs> I, can, I can see an exit for you, right? Because you're here voluntarily. I don't see an exit from this path for me, unfortunately. 
Well, right now we're on a boat, so I'm not going anywhere. Well, that too. <laughs> <laughs> there is that. There is the whole like we're on a boat going a direction. But I mean, you you know what I mean. <laughs> I mm. like it's it's going to be difficult for me to get out of here for a while. Okay. But it would be easier for you. I don't know. We can talk about it when the time comes. We don't need to make that decision now. We don't need to be hasty. Okay. And then Darvin, after you've settled in there and into your drink a little bit, in walks Arnus with Sam. Oh, hey, Arnus and Sam. <laughs> hey, buddy. Fancy meeting you here. You guys drinking together? Heck yeah. All right. Darvin, Arnus, and Sam sharing a bottle of wine. That's a very adorable picture here. Cool. Right? <laughs> I'm like the fanciest ship in the world. <laughs> you don't even want to know how much the wine costs. Probably more than Having what Akiri has already paid me. No, it's not that expensive. <laughs> that would be in his private stash anyways. It wouldn't be in the lounge. Oh, God. I don't even want to know. Okay. So, a few hours pass. As the ship is sailing away from Capris and away from Sarakar, the view doesn't ever really change. I mean, especially Iulana, you're out on the deck of the ship. You can actually see the full 360 around. It's just all open water and giant cloud fog out there. <laughs> and eventually, Mr. Sengal will come find Darvin and Aranis. Iulana's already on the deck. She's fine. But Mr. Sengal comes into the lounge and wordlessly motions for the pair of you to come with her to the top deck of the ship. Well, who are we to argue? Like, right? hmm? I said, well, who are we to argue? Uh, Arnis, are you one to argue? Uh, I'm not one to particularly argue, except uh, can he come? And I point to Sam. <sighs> she lets out a sigh. Mm, yes, yes, yes. Come, come on. Cool. Let's go, buddy. Not trying to exclude anyone. I was only sent for the two of you. Let's go. <laughs> okay, grumbles, Mickey. <laughs> I don't say that. I think it, though. <laughs> As you get to the deck of the ship, Ikiri is leaning out over the starboard railing. Oh, Mr. Sengal will then motion to Ilana to come join everybody I else. I'll stand up, put my cloak back on, and herf my stuff over there. Okay. I mean, it's a short walk across yeah, the yeah. deck. <laughs> okay. Ikiri is leaning out over the starboard railing. I figured you all would want to see the island when it comes into view. We're practically there. Uh, oh, okay. Looking out, you see nothing but a thick fog. And the ship just goes right into it. Oh, God. There's a railing. I, like, clutch it a little bit. <laughs> like, uh, this is weirdly scary. There's definitely a railing. Yeah. <laughs> it takes some time to pass through. But as you emerge, you see a magnificent island that was definitely not here before. What in the hell? The center of the island is dominated by a lush, verdant mountain. What? Looking to its peak, you see the tower of a castle. What? A small cove on the western <laughs> side of the island holds a handful of ships, but you seem to be headed to a more secluded berth. Before we go ashore... What are Nowhere and Captain Edmondson up to on the island? Oh, God. Oh, man. To be honest, Nowhere's probably sulking. <laughs> because, like, cause, like, none of her little, like, schemes at the last glamour got anywhere, and she still had to come along. <laughs> and she's like, man, just, like, fuck this place. <laughs> Where are you sulking? I don't know. Are you in the castle where the meeting is held? Are you... In the wilds, are you in a place that we haven't talked about at the table yet? This is a fancy rich person's island. Everything can be here. It is a fancy rich person's island. Let me just, like... Um, I would probably be sulking, like, in the castle. Okay. Um, just because she's got a little entitlement going on. That's fine. Right? You like, are a member of the glamour. She Well, I mean, but also, like... She she knows who she is, mm -hmm. right? Like she's she's the daughter of royalty. She knows who she is. Didn't they disown you? No, when I was born because I was a tiefling, they like cast me out and left Sorry. me for dead. Cast out, yes. disown. Yeah. We're splitting hairs, but I guess it, there is an important distinction. They there. left me for dead. 
leaving you for dead is a lot different than yeah. just leaving <laughs> you ashore somewhere. And so, like, she's probably... If the castle has anything that, like, at one point would have been, like, a throne room that I'm certain is not used as a throne room anymore, like, that's where she's hanging out. And, oh, yeah. like, if there's nobody in there, she's definitely sitting on the throne. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sulking. There's definitely a throne room Being, like, in that castle. huffy, like, what you would consider, like, a huffy 25-year-old, you know, mm-hmm. like, a human 25-year-old, like, just like, oh. The throne is a little. These people are so stupid, and nobody understands my ideas. (laughs) (laughs) The throne is a little small for nowhere, but you can go ahead and lounge around and sulk in that throne as much as you like. Yes, that is what she is doing. Captain Edmondson, what's he doing? If I remember right, things didn't go so well for him last time either, possibly even worse. But he's not really one to sulk. He's probably consorting the maps and trying to see if he can plan a good spit of, a good Ooh. bit of exploration slash exploitation. I like. <laughs> Are you consulting maps on your ship or in the castle? In the castle. Okay. There are extensive maps kept in the castle, of course, but I didn't know if you felt more comfortable on your ship or not. Well, they, they probably have a bigger collection because there's so much <laughs> more space. So he's using yeah. the you know full facilities of the castle to try and plan out some sort of. He'd still have to make a proposal because he needs some you know monarch or something to give him funding and stuff. Mm-hmm. Funding and stuff. But he's basically like just brainstorming. All right, all right. Sounds good. Sounds good. Lemons, your companion. He's a human, right? Yes. Okay, so he's fine. Nowhere, your companion... Is a wood elf. What's his name again? Uh, It's weird. It is weird. Woody? No. It's not as bad as Gimble Ningle, though. It's hard to pronounce, is what I remember. It is a drawn. A drawn. That's right. A drawn is a wood elf. Yeah. How is a drawn doing there as you're sulking in the throne? Um, I think... Well, one, we decided that, like, with the withering, he's not doing particularly well. Right. Um, So how far along is he? Not as far as some, but he is starting to lose his agility. Like, I mean, and yeah. So, I mean, he's kind of, like, wrapped up in his own stuff as I'm sulking because the last thing didn't go very well and... I'm probably, mm-hmm. Nowhere's probably beating herself up twice because she can't, she can't help him either. And he is her friend. Right? Oh, like, you're legitimately friends. Yeah. Okay. We grew up together. He saved me from I have to be something. reminded we speak with them so very little. Yeah. He, he saved me from something, I think. Okay. And so like, that's kind of distressing her, but like, she can't figure out a way to like, talk to him about it. And okay. Wonderful. It's just, it's, it's bad in the throne room right now. It's bad. it's all bad ready to get back to the main crew ready alright as you disembark Ikiri warns you now you are my guests here but it is inadvisable to wander off there are some who may be less hospitable than I please join me in the castle for refreshments before we get to business okay as he and Mr. Sangal exit the ship onto the dock, they begin heading up a very well, not, not manicured path. It's less clean than that, but not in a bad way. It's curated to look like the forest and the plants themselves opened up to allow you passage rather than being some sort of man-made cut through their domain. Got it. Again, very rich people. Very fancy. Yeah, apparently. Must be nice. Must be. (laughs) And does everybody follow? Yes. Yes. All right. The walk there does take some time, but the temperature is nice. Here within the fog cover of the island, you can see out until that fog dome. Uh, At the very top, it's opened up, but all you see out of that is just more sky. You can't see... Sarakar, Capris at all. You can hear birds. Everybody roll perception. Darvin. 18. Iolana. 23. Aranis. You gotta show me up. I got a 22. (laughs) (laughs) I was so proud of my 22. And then you got a 23. All right. 
I think as you're all venturing through, Ikiri and Mr. Sangal are just walking up this path. He is definitely not paying any attention to what's around him. He knows where he's going. He's not worried about what's on this island and what's not on this island. Mr. Sengal seems to be dividing her attention between him and the four of you. Uh, Sam is following along as well. She's looking at you not out of concern for your well-being. She is definitely keeping an eye on you. Just to make sure you don't get up to anything that you're not supposed to get up to. Oh my. But outside of that, you all also notice, as you walk through these paths... A number of plants seem to be turning their direction to you. These are just bushes, vines, lichen hanging from a tree. But as you pass by, it's like they turn and follow you as you go. They've taken a lichen to us. (laughs) Is that everybody or is that like just me? No, that's everybody. Okay. Sorry there, flower person. Yeah, that's why I was asking. Chestina flower. Yeah. Hey, I got a flower. I know it doesn't talk, but it's funny. You have Brumble's flower implanted in your chest. I do. The yellow and red chrysanthemum. Ugh, uh, I gotta change my whole look. (laughs) Does not mesh with your blue tight pants. It really well. I don't have them anymore, so it doesn't matter. One by one, the uh, plant god is getting rid of all of your clashing clothes. Yeah, apparently, it's totally what it is. No, I don't think Brumble had anything to do with your missing pants. No. Imagine Brumble needs pants. No, most plant <laughs> most plant creatures do not require pants. Yeah, but anyways, you certainly notice that these plants are paying attention to you. A few times, you will see a vine or a branch reach out closer to you, but they never cross the path. It's hard to tell why, but they don't. Hmm. And you walk up this trail up towards the castle. As you get to the gate, there are a number of attendants slash guards, and these all also seem to be plant creatures, but these are definitely more, like, meant to be noticed. They are standing there in a semi-humanoid form, much smaller than the dread mounds that you encountered back in Capris. Some of them not even made of vines. Some of them are just, like, made of wood. <laughs> definitely plant people of some kind. Uh, they're standing guard. Seeing a Kyrian Mistress Sengal, they will hold their hands back and just watch as you all pass into the inner passages of this castle. It's old, just at first glance. Without even looking too hard, you can tell it's old stonework. It is kept remarkably clean. Any plants that are growing along the side are definitely adding to the aesthetics of it, as opposed to wild plant life taking over the place. Everybody roll perception again as you walk through the castle. That's more right. I crit. Nice. Except that's probably my one crit for the night. Let's go the other way this time. Arnis. Oh my god. I can't do math. Um, 14. Iolana. 12. Darvin. I crit. Which is? 22. Okay. I just want to know what the number was. The crit, I think, is more fun. So as you're all walking through the castle, I think Arnis and Iolana, the most you're going to notice is that there are surprisingly few people here. It's pretty quiet. You've been in palaces before. You know, the greenhouse, the royal house, the driftwood house. And those all had a certain amount of life to them. This is much quieter. Feels more secluded. Darwin, as you're being walked through the halls here, there are two doors that catch your eye. One, because... On the other side of it, you hear nowhere just sulking to herself. You don't know the <laughs> voice, but you hear someone out loud pouting. And I don't know, does nowhere throw things when they're upset and sulking? What happens? I think she has a little more decorum than to throw things around a throne room. But she she might take a kick at a few things, though. Just like... Mm-hmm. Like, so she's not like actively throwing things around the room, but if there's like something that'll make a good clatter, if it's kicked, she'll probably like kick it. And then like a few minutes later, she'll feel bad and like, and fix it. And then, and then she'll probably kick it again. Not have a drawn pick it up? No. 
not in his current state. If he was well, she would tell him to pick it up. But okay. since he's not well, then she feels bad for doing that. And so she'll do it. And then she'll kick it again because she's pissed off. <laughs> you hear the clatter of some wooden objects being knocked to the ground. And then grumpily, like, scraping sounds that they're being put <laughs> back into place. And farther down the hall, you notice a door that's cracked open a little bit on the other end of a hallway. And you see this very fancily dressed captain, <laughs> a shirtless man with him, and they're pouring over maps. You catch a brief word about, like, oh, plans to go to... Uh, but without stopping and going to listen more, you can't really hear what they're talking about as you pass by Captain Edmondson. And I just realized that Nate walked by his own character. He seems like a douche. (laughs) (laughs) That he is, sir. But they all are. But Ikiri and Mistress Sengal are not stopping in those rooms. Instead, you're escorted into a room with a massive oak table inlaid with a golden map of the world polished to a mirror-like shine. This room has six walls. Each wall has a huge crimson velvet drape hanging in front of it. One of them is pulled open, showing this huge portrait painted of a Curie. Oh, dear. We all know this as the Glamour's meeting room. Yes. This isn't a party room. But a Curie is using his privilege to bring you in here anyways. On the table are pastries, fresh fruits and salads... And a fine, sweet wine. He motions for you all to come in. Please, please, help yourselves. If you will excuse Mistress Sangal and I for just a moment, uh, we need to arrange something for you. And he and Mistress Sangal will step out. Uh, closing the door behind them. You've got an undetermined amount of time here in this room. Uh, so... Here we are. <laughs> Who else is feeling especially awkward? <laughs> Not me. Oh, just this me is, then. This is great. Oh, God. Food, good wine, nice clothes. It's like my childhood, but I was nicer. Say, is, is this the level of living that you I, were I accustomed to? <laughs> I don't think so, no. I think this is definitely up a few notches, but. Fair to say. But it's very comforting. I could get used to it real quick. Um, all right. I want to take a just a look around the room. Like, what do I what do I see besides this like large portrait of Akiri? The other five walls have similar velvet drapes on them, but they are not opened. That's the only one that's open right now. Okay. There's the table. There are six very fine chairs sat around the table. Okay. One in front of each of those paintings sat at the table. Other than that, it's just extremely fine stonework. There's a chandelier hanging from the ceiling, giving off a nice, cool light. Can I, like, peek behind one of the curtains? Yes, you may. <laughs> roll me a die. Let's see. Um, just roll me a d20. Oh, all right. Oh, my God. I got an 11. You pull back the drape. And you see another massive painting. And behind this one is the Medusa that you saw accompanying Akiri to Capris. Hmm. She does not have the effects of the withering painted on this, but the ornate mask is still there. The snake hair is still there. It's clearly that same woman. Huh. I want to pick in another one. <sighs> okay. You want me to roll again? No, 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 no. You peek behind this one, and again, there's a very large painting. This one has two figures painted on it. One of them is a somewhat slender dwarf, clean-shaven, long red and golden hair tied into braids. Difficult to tell if this is supposed to be a male dwarf or a female dwarf. If it's a male, obviously they've shaved for some reason. Usually not a socially acceptable one, as far as you know, but it's not unheard of. Especially here on the, like, you have no idea what this place is. The other is a much larger figure. She has jet black hair, a lavender skin, 
and a pair of horns coming out of the front of her head that start purple and fade to black and crackle with almost a purple light underneath the black. They swoop back as if the horns had been slicked back for they curve back around on top. And she seems to be bathed in shadow. Are you opening this up enough for everybody to see? Yeah. Okay. I mean, there would be no reason for me to like hide it from the people that are in the room. So yeah. So yeah, everybody can see this painting. And as you all look at it, you all also hear a voice whisper through the room. A new voice that you had not heard before. Hello, strangers. It is a pleasure. Come, find me. Help me. What? What the hell? Can we talk back to the voice? Uh, Anyone can try. I, I you wanna, all have voices. Arnis. I want to. I want to try. Um. Arnis. Excuse me. What now? Come and help me. Okay. Um. Two questions. Uh. One. Who are you? Uh. Two. Where are you? <laughs> To answer your first question, everybody, roll religion. Oh, dear. This is going to end poorly for me. It could be worse for me. Let us start with Iolana. Uh, 13. Darwin. 24. Aranus. I rolled a gentleman's nine. <laughs> <laughs> is, right. is, is that a seven plus your mod? Yeah. Um. <laughs> uh, as Arnis is holding this curtain open and you're all looking at this painting and you're hearing this woman's voice, it doesn't come together quickly for anyone, but it eventually gets there for Darwin as, as you hear her say, while a door on the other side of the room opens with no one behind it, you hear the voice again say, come and find me. I, I am Agni Tai. And Darwin, looking at that painting, hearing the name, you immediately recognize that as the goddess of the fiends. Goddess of the fiends. That Devils sounds, and demons. That sounds bad. I share my knowledge. They are not common, especially here on Sarakar. So if it took you a moment to have Darwin remind you that other gods exist, it's understandable. Uh, yeah, um, um, no, no. <laughs> I'm not ready. Yolanda kind of looks at the boot. I'm not ready to deal with another god, y'all. I don't know. That, that doesn't, that doesn't sound fun. Especially oh, the sh- god of fiends. I don't know what you're talking about, man. That's like a Tuesday. That actually sounds really fun. <laughs> it sounds weird. Like, it's definitely going to get us into trouble with this Ikiri guy. We were told to stay here. Oh, yeah. I'm not going anywhere right now. Definitely right now. I'm not going off to find her now. Me neither now. But maybe, like, <laughs> later. Yeah. And like, <laughs> Is that a good idea? In, like, four or five seconds. She's asking just, like, for help. I don't know. like, tag-teaming Iolana right now? She's like, I'm going to go now. Explain later. the logic behind going to investigate the goddess of fiends. She asked us to. It's going to be fun. Pretty much. You all have lost your minds. <laughs> you came with us. Welcome to the party. <laughs> Literally and figuratively. <laughs> so the doors open. Agni Tai, the goddess of fiends, has asked for help. Do you respond to her? All right. We need to oh, use yeah. Words. Um, I should probably do that. Yeah, someone um, should use words. Yeah, I should do that. Tell her we'll get back to her. <sighs> we... <laughs> cool she's a goddess um we are currently under instructions to stay here from our host um it would be extremely rude of us to leave until we've spoken to him but as soon as we have and we have a little more freedom of movement or can make ourselves some more freedom of movement we will uh try to come see you find me when you can and we can make a deal. Ask her if she's on the island. Well, she's got to go be here somewhere. I mean, like, if she's asking us to come find her, and I'm sure, I'm certain she knows we can't fly. Okay. So, oh yeah. I don't mean to be the one in the room who's speaking logically here, um, <laughs> but 
How have deals with gods gone for you in the past? They've actually always worked out really well. And by well, he means really shitty, but that's like, okay. Nice flower, Ernest. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, but-, but here's the thing. Like, I made that deal because I did something stupid. So that deal actually was a pretty sweet deal for the amount of shit that I caused for Brumble. So, like, let's just, I mean. Yeah, he could have been way more the- pedal and <laughs> about that. It's true. What about the Ooh. other deal you made? How did that work out? Also pretty shitty. What? But I won't be damned for eternity. But I mean, it worked out okay. You're I not... mean, when I die, and like as you can see, that's you're not be damned. We got what we wanted. Later. Inadvertent consequences of that deal. Iolana, you're no fun. I'm just saying, you got to think both sides of this, and it doesn't seem like the most intelligent decision to be making here. Probably. <laughs> At this point, though, like, I mean, I'm already gonna die, so that's like gonna happen. We're all gonna die. Um, except yeah. me. Me sooner than you. <laughs> no, I'm not going to die. You're not going to die. That's, That's true. That's problem. <laughs> That's true. But like, I I don't know. As you're discussing this, the door quietly shuts. Arnis, if you're still holding that drape open over the painting, you can feel it tug to close itself. Moments later, the door that you originally came through opens and Akiri and Mistress Singal are walking back in. I hope you enjoyed the refreshments. Now, if you'll join me, I can show you this present I have for Vale that maybe could convince you, Arnis, to stay and play for me. Okay. Who's going with the Kiri? Please, somebody besides I'm going me. With I'm going with following <laughs> Arnis. Going to go with. Anybody okay. besides me. Okay. And he and Mr. Sengal will begin walking you all back out of the castle. Out through the main entrance this time, this very large, ornate drawbridge, there are pairs of wooden plant creatures standing guard on either side. They stand at attention. You see them very subtly eyeball the four of you as you walk by, and you begin heading down towards the docks where a number of ships are kept. Just before you get to the docks, Ikiri will turn to you all and say, "Now." Precautions have been made, but do your best to stay quiet until we arrive. What? Okay. Now Iolana's very intrigued. Like, the idea that it's for Vale has intrigued her initially. Now the, this little tease has got her very interested. Good. As you get to the edge of the trees before it opens up fully to where the docks are at, and you see the ships... Ikiri starts leading you all towards one in particular. We at the table recognize this ship as the Tides of Fortune, Captain Edmondson's ship. Everybody roll stealth. Oh, God. Oh. He asked you to be quiet. You all agreed. Ooh. As he asks me to be quiet, I take a moment and focus myself and my mind on being quieter. How long does that take? Uh, it's literally, it, it's a... A the moment. Psychic focus is a moment. It's okay. just like you can absolutely have that moment here. Cool. And then I now have proficiency. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right, Darvin. Twenty-two. Aranus. Twenty-two. Yolana. It's a one on the die. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Remember that one time the bard was like the quietest ever? That was real stealthy. As quiet as the monk. Yeah. That was real stealthy. That was pretty good, right? I know. It's like I learned something from you. Right? (laughs) And Vale. Ilana, what does it look like when you take a moment to center yourself on an ability? It's literally like just like a a centering breath. Mm -hmm. And then it it adds that the way I've kind of I kind of view this ability is like in my training I've studied a little bit of everything mm-hmm. and when I use this psychic focus I focus my mental energies on that specific training. Okay. So you take that moment to take that breath and center yourself on being stealthy and moving quietly. And as soon as that's done and you begin taking a few quick steps to catch up with the rest of the group who did not pause to make that mental adjustment you you trip over a dead branch in the walkway it snaps you tumble down and you're quickly able to pick yourself back up but immediately everybody turns and stares at you 
And in your head, you just hear your father's voice, just like. (laughs) (sighs) Mr. Sangal rolls her eyes, lets out a huff, just. (laughs) Pulls out her wand, makes a few more quick motions, mutters something under her breath, and just points the wand at the ship. And you see all of the crew hands on the deck just fall down asleep. Oh my god. (sighs) Covering for these people. (laughs) So yeah, she had used some magic to cover up your flub. But that's fine. I'm sure nothing (laughs) bad will come from this. Oh god. Oh god. Ikiri just keeps walking forward confidently. And he begins to board the ship. It's a fairly big ship. It's not quite as nice as his. The Tides of Fortune is no paramour. But it is still a very fine ship. Captain Edmondson, would you say this was a four-mast ship, right? Sounds right. Sounds right. Uh, any other fancy details you want to tell us about your ship? Um, gosh, I don't remember. Did it's we a weird going on a Nate's ship with Nate, but not Nate. That's fine. It's I'm a different Nate. That's okay. Fine. I know. I can't yeah. kind of can't handle it. Like my brain. Let's see. Where my brain is confused. Like I'm here, but I'm there. But I'm here. Are there weapons on your ship? Can't remember if we decided that. This is up for you to decide. I mean, I, I would assume probably. It's an exploration ship, so it's not like hello fortified, but you still need, you know. Mm-hmm. You cannons? need to be able Yeah, yeah, you need to Harpoon be able to defend gun? yourself. Probably maybe cannons, maybe not harpoons. Okay. Cannons definitely. And, you know, the soldiers would all be individually armed as mm-hmm. well. Like cutlasses and things? Yeah. All right. And luckily for you, as you board the ship, it is just Captain Edmondson's crew. Neither he nor Lemons are here. And Akiri walks you all on board and takes you down below decks to the lowest deck in the ship. There's a single lantern burning at the base of the stairs, and he walks you down to a holding room at the end of the hall. Mr. Sengal opens the door. Whether she already had the key or unlocked it magically, you don't know. She motions in. Well, uh, Iolana's following. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to. Same. Anybody have dark vision here? I do. Uh, I don't think I do unless I give it to myself. I definitely do not. Okay. Because it's dark in here. Yeah, I do. I mean, I just want to know how to set the mood. Yeah, no, unless I give it to myself, I don't know. Okay. So Arnis is the only one with dark vision. Darwin and Iolana, when you first enter, all you can tell is that this room is bisected. The half you're on is no bigger than like a walk-in closet. Uh, And then there's a set of bars, and then there's the other half of the room. But it's almost pitch black in here, save a very small porthole letting a beam of light come through. And it touches the ground just at your feet there by the door. And then you hear motion from the other side of the room. And Arnis, you're the first to notice as you hear the sound... Oh, this is a rough thing to describe here. You hear the sound of metal scraping on bone. What? As something appears to be walking closer to you. And it takes you a moment to realize it, but I mean, partially because he's holding his own head in his hand. <laughs> uh, h- hello? Arnis? Darvin? Vale? And Ulwan is slowly approaching. <laughs> His entire torso and arms have turned to bone. Aww. His head has been placed in his hand, which thankfully has not converted yet. He has very minimal motion with his legs. And he steps forward and his head clangs against the bars of this oh. holding cell. What, what are you doing here? And with that, we'll bring this chapter to a close. But the story will always continue. Thanks again to all of our Patreon patrons for your support. If you'd like to become a patron, go to patreon.com slash Podcast and pick out a level that's right for you. Before we go, I'd like to give special thanks to everyone at the $5 and up tiers. At the $5 City Council level, thank you, Tucker Tuttle and Shannon DeMello. At the $10 mayor level, thank you, Christopher DeMello and Sierra Jones. At the $15 governor level, thank you, Phoenix Bryan. 
Thank you for listening to this chapter in Seasons of Skyrand. If you like what you heard, please leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find us. If you want to chat, we're on Twitter at Skyrand Podcast. You can join our Discord server, or you can email us at skyrandpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us online at skyrandpodcast.com. As always, we want to thank Vanessa Blockland for our podcast art. You can find more of her work on Twitter at Art by Vanessa B. And thanks to Daryl Dibber Reckonos for creating our theme music. You can find more of his music at dibbermusic.com and on Twitter at dibbermusic. Dibber spelled D-I-B-U-R. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time on Seasons of Skyrand.